Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com defense hold on hold on what are you trying to tell me right now come on duke yeah no i understand that but are you kidding me are we really talking about the fact that mike's let's go duke come on no well yeah that's the thing is this actually happening today let's go mike let's go that's the whole thing is you want to what let's go yeah one more year though emergency podcast let's go Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, June 2nd, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And big breaking news from the world of college basketball this afternoon, Mike Krzyzewski, the winningest coach in men's Division I basketball history, a person who has guided Duke to five national championships, is retiring after next season speculation about this had been circulating in recent weeks today that speculation turned into a reality Mike Krzyzewski's 42nd season at Duke and 47th as a head coach at the collegiate level will be his last dead leg your thoughts well let's be can we be transparent on something on this right off the top all right I I there was speculation about this, but I didn't, I mean, come on now. We're in similar text threads. There was not speculation that Mike Krzyzewski was going to announce sometime around Memorial Day that he would be retiring and would be going on a one-year farewell tour. I did not hear this once. Maybe you did. Maybe you can clarify this. But I, see, sometimes I feel like when a story like this breaks, um, and credit to, Credit to John Goodman. He did a great job in breaking this story. Uh, very good, very good get. Um, sometimes you'll have reporters after the fact be like, "This was, this was, this was talked about in recent weeks." To kind of give off airs that uh, that everyone was kind of in on this. I mean, granted, I went on vacation for nine days and I completely unplugged, so maybe there was something going on like seven days ago that I wasn't aware of. I did not hear one thing about Mike Shashevsky planning to retire, and then going on a year-long farewell tour. Did you hear differently? I'd love to be informed here. Well, uh, let me be a little more specific. Um, did I hear this exact plan two weeks ago? No. But I had people asking me, you know how these conversations go, hey, what have you heard about Kay? Hey, I, I'm hearing he really might step away. Like, I'm hearing he's seriously thinking about retiring have you heard he's thinking about retiring yeah have you talked to john shire lately what's he saying about it? like those types of text and conversations are the type of things that had come up in the past couple of weeks in other words over the past couple of weeks nobody has texted me and said hey you heard anything about jim Beheim maybe retiring nobody nobody's done that but it did happen with k several times uh there was a little bit of noise on this like what two and a half three weeks ago when Matt Jones of Kentucky Sports Radio put out a tweet and then deleted a tweet that was discussing the potential for Mike Krzyzewski to retire. And so uh, I did a little bit of legwork at that point. 
and was roundly and soundly told that's not happening. Mike Krzyzewski is not imminently retiring there. And so from that, now we get to hear. And yeah, this, by the way, <laughs> I mean, if you had told someone, go back two months ago, two years ago and say, hey, this is going to happen on June 2nd, 2021. Here's what's going to happen in a matter of hours. Brad Stevens is going to step down from his job as the head coach of the Boston Celtics, and Mike Krzyzewski is going to announce that he will be retiring. You know, you you know the conclusion that everyone goes to with that. Oh, and sure. Yet, and by and by the way, if these things would have happened in a different order oh, today, exactly, it's over. It is <laughs> over. If if this gets <laughs> GP, I thought the exam exact thing. If this gets reversed, if Goodman breaks the story at 10, 15 in the morning that Mike Krzyzewski plans on retiring, and then three hours later, it's broken by Woj or whatever that Brad Stevens is going to be stepping down and Danny Ainge is leaving, it would have been even more chaos than what we're sitting in here right now. By the way, just re- real quick, random aside. Man, life is funny sometimes. So I was on vacation all last week. Didn't use Twitter as glorious. Didn't use the internet for anything basketball related. But in the middle of all this, I was uh, with my wife and she was like, what happens if like a major news story like breaks this week? Like, what if it's major? I was like, the only thing that if it happened and I I'd like have to like, you know, probably start doing some work as if like Mike Krzyzewski retired or something like that. So I'm very thankful that this came out this week instead of last week. It's obviously huge news. It's the news of the day. It supersedes the Celtic stuff. It supersedes anything happening in the NBA playoffs. He's not retiring effective immediately. I get all that, but come on now. Mike Krzyzewski, one more year, farewell tour, major, major stuff here. And, and, we can get into the Shire stuff in a minute here if you want. But with all of that, I guess he makes the most sense to succeed him. But I'm not surprised that this is how it's happening, by the way. I'm not surprised by this because I remember sitting at Peach Jam, I don't know, three years ago and talking about Krzyzewski uh, with someone who knows him very well. I say, when he does retire, when, how do you think he's going to do it? And this particular coach said... I think he will announce his retirement sometime in May or June after the season and that he will go through one year. He predicted this exact scenario as we've seen it play out. And so, yeah, what we will have next season, like it or not, and I know a lot of people will probably grow to loathe it, we will have the probably the most publicized, drenched in nostalgia farewell tour since like Derek Jeter with the Yankees, something like that. What kind of weird, bizarre, completely unnecessary gifts are we going to see coaches in schools given to Duke when he's on his way out? I don't know. Can't wait to see it. What are your thoughts? Well, as I'm thinking through this and, and you know texting with people over the past hour, um, it, it's it's possible that that two things can be true. Two different things that I had heard, you know, in, in recent months and especially in recent weeks. One is that he had been considering retirement like he's 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 ready and the other thing that i had heard from multiple people around k is that he hated despised the way last season unfolded and the idea of of having that as his most recent season was was i don't want to say driving him crazy i don't want to throw around terms like that but bothering him and that he was really motivated and anxious to bounce back and have a great 
next season to put that one officially in the past and make sure everybody understood that was just a total one-off for a variety of reasons, but not indicative of anything other than that. And so let's combine those two stories. He's ready to go, but he can't go like that. Okay, enroll a recruiting class with three five-stars, two probable top 10 picks, um, come back, have a great season, and then walk away. When you think about everything I just said, this probably, the farewell tour, one more season, announce it well in advance of the season, it probably checks most boxes as well as any plan could. He doesn't have to have last season be his last season. He, at least on paper, is set up to have a really good season again. And then they can start telling prospects going forward, if you come to Duke, you will be playing for John Shire because John Shire is considered the likely successor. And so, you know, again, when you think through it, this this is a sensible path forward, and it allows him to do, K okay, just about everything he wants to do. By the way, two months and one day since we all wondered if we were getting April Fool's goofed with Roy Williams. So two coaching legends, Hall of Famers, good friends, would love to know what conversations those two men have had in the past couple of months here. Um, and uh, if Roy's decision in any way, uh, even a small, also impacted Krzyzewski's decision. Yeah, I have been told uh, by two sources, and this kind of spans back to December, January, and February, that there was, you know, the Duke season was tough for many reasons, and you had the Jalen Johnson stuff, and there was even, you know, some... Discussion about when remember when they canceled the the final the canceled the remainder of their non conference schedule which I believe amounted to one game if Correct. I if I remember that correctly but nevertheless when all that was happening there was a lot of just like behind the scenes like consternation like it was just not going well and so all of that compounded with COVID on top of this stuff uh, now Shashevsky did not want to go out this way at all like he didn't want to retire now and have this past season be the end of it and I and I get all that and it'll make for It'll make for a, a, a very highly publicized and plenty intriguing season for the Blue Devils uh, next season in college basketball. But he's also, like, K's not 68. Like, he's encroaching on 75 years old. Like, this, it's, it, this just shows how much we have changed in terms of how we view— and this is a good thing because um, it, it eliminates some elements of ageism. But he, he's 74. He'll be 75 next season. And— this notion that it's, you know, relatively surprising and certainly a, a major, major news story. Um, coaches, for the most part, didn't make it to 70 or 71 back back in the day. Now it was it had become this thing where, you know, well, who's going to who's going to last longer? Mike Krzyzewski or Jim Beheim? For the record, I always had Jim Beheim in that. <laughs> I still have Jim Beheim. I, I don't even think I have Jim Beheim retiring before 80, just so the record is clear here. But he's he's 74. Like. He does enjoy being a father, a grandfather. Oh, by the way, he's not going anywhere. Like, he is going to have his own office set up uh, at at Cameron, outside Cameron. Like, he is going to be a presence around that program continually there. So, yes, he will be retiring from coaching, but he will not be retiring from public life, at least not as, as though it's been explained to me there. So he is going to still be around that program in a significant role. That's I actually think it's probably for the best. If it winds up being Shire, even though he's young, um, and it's and it's certainly a 
It's an enviable gig as much as it's an inenviable gig given what he's stepping into. I actually think that he will benefit from Krzyzewski being around the program uh, the way that he's expected to be there. Real quick, um, just real quick biographical uh, rundown on what he's been able to do here. I mean, Krzyzewski obviously is, uh, I mean, he's, he's arguably the greatest coach in the history of men's college basketball. And I say that because Wooden and McCronin wouldn't for what he was able to do. It was just a different era altogether. And Krzyzewski was able to, you know, win five national championships, uh, get to 12 final fours, 15 ACC tournament championships, 12 ACC regular uh, season championships, three times the coach of the year, um, and was able to win championships in different eras. It's, it's, it really is remarkable, and I do think that he has a case of being the greatest coach in basketball history, period. Some will always reject that because he has only done it at the college level, but also coached the USA uh, men's national team to gold medals. Obviously, this is the best players in the world, but when you take his entire resume into account, how long he's, do- he's done it, what he was able to do at Duke in the 80s, and then in the 90s, and around the, t- the turn of the century, and then again, 2010, 2015, uh, certainly, I, I, I think that there is a very, very good case that uh, that when he retires at the end of the next season, no matter how next season goes, uh, he can he could be claimed by some to be the greatest coach, at least in men's college basketball history. Some will always say wouldn't because of the national championships. It was a different era entirely, but I think given the era he coached in, uh, Coach K certainly has a, a very strong, strong case to hold that title. I'll take it a step further. He is the greatest men's college basketball coach in history. You know, the the five national titles in different eras, um, I think resonates more than what Wooden did. Um, 12 Final Fours, 12 ACC regular season titles, 15 ACC tournament titles. Here's the craziest thing on his bio. Three-time Naismith Coach of the Year. How's he coached 46 years? He's only been the national coach of the year three times, and he hasn't won it since 1999. Got more national titles than Coach of the Year awards. Uh, you're not going to find a lot of people that are going to uh, sympathize with that stance, but I understand what you're saying. This just goes to speaking to general coach of the year awards overall. That just, if anything, it reflects on how good of a coach. It's the same thing with like Phil Jackson. And you go through all, all all sports, but I know only only three times because when you're expected to be good and when you enter the season, number one, two, three, four, five, as Duke has so many times over the decades. And if by the way, if you don't like Duke, this is not the podcast for you. This is a this is a severe hate listen but we're going to speak objectively about the man and what he's been able to do there um I, that number if you had asked me blindly to guess i would have said four does it seem low given the, the 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 longevity of his career of course it seems low but that's how these coach of the year awards generally work i think it's also worth pointing out that the sport and this goes without saying considering when he entered the sport but the sport mike Krzyzewski entered is nothing close to the sport Mike Krzyzewski will be exiting. And I don't think that it's unfair to suggest, if not insist, that the changing of college basketball has sped up his plans, perhaps. There's three big things that have changed, I don't know, over the past decade. A couple of things that are really changing right now. One is it's harder to keep players in school than it's ever been. You know, there was a time where Mike could recruit a Christian Leitner and you know, that guy's going to be around for a while, Bobby Hurley. And that guy's going to be around for a while. A 
um, Shane Battier, and that guy's going to be around for a while. Well, now the level at which Duke has been recruiting, you, you're not keeping those guys more than a year, almost ever. And so the roster turnover that Kay has been dealing with, um, no different than the roster turnover John Calipari has dealt with and a handful of other coaches, is, is unlike anything he's ever seen. And you talk to any coach who, who has recruited one and dones and had to remake a team every year, they will tell you it is exhausting. It's exhausting at any age, especially 74. So there's that. Then the transfer rules changing makes the job more difficult than it's ever been. Because once upon a time, you could recruit your team and then you coach your team and then you would recruit the next batch of players, but you didn't have to re-recruit your team. You know, the players who were going off to the NBA were going off to the NBA and then you could reasonably assume most of the guys, if not all of the rest of the guys were coming back. Now you can't assume that at all. I mean, we got like accomplished college basketball coaches with six, seven, eight players in the transfer portal. And that doesn't mean I'm anti-transfer portal. I'm pro transfer portal. I'm pro changing the rule to allow student athletes to move from one school to the other without penalty at least once. But I can, both things can be true. I can say I'm, I'm for the rule change, but also acknowledge that it complicates the job. And so, you know, do you really at the age of 74, when you got all the money in the world and your legacy is cemented, you really want to like, okay, I got to recruit high school players and I got to recruit my own players, but then I'm still going to lose some of them to the transfer portal. So then I got to recruit out of the transfer portal. It's just like, it's, it's a lot. And so I think that probably contributes to this. And then the name image and likeness rules, you know, are changing in some States now in less than a month. And in theory, um, throughout college basketball and college athletics in general at some point over the next year or so. And I don't want to pretend that Duke would be at a disadvantage when it comes to name, image, and likeness. I don't think it would be like nope. Nike would make sure it's not, but still it is a, it's a, it's another, it's another thing that you've got to deal with. And we can all lie to each other and pretend that it won't impact recruiting, but it is going to be a recruiting tool some college football coaches and college basketball coaches have already publicly acknowledged they are using it as a recruiting tool, at least initially when some states are going to be able to do things that other states theoretically can't do. And so it is true that coaches are making more money than they've ever made. And they are well compensated to have a difficult job. But make no mistake, it is a difficult job. As one prominent head coach told me at one point recently, this is a is a hard way to make a lot of money. And I, I, I should put that in context. Like it's not hard relative to what millions of people throughout this country are doing every day for far less money. I'm not trying to compare college basketball coaching to whatever you perceive to be the hardest physical labor job in the world. But it is a 20, for the most part, a 24-7, seven-day, you know, week, 365 a year job you know good luck trying to take a, a vacation it, it is off the table if you might come back from vacation and half your team's in the portal yeah. so it, it's just it's a lot it's a lot to ask i've told the story a million times so i won't even go into the details again but the bottom line of the story would be this college basketball coaching is 
the time you actually spend coaching compared to the time you spend doing other things is minimal. And it, it can, it can take a lot out of you. And sometimes I wonder how guys in their fifties, sixties can do it. Um, given the time that it requires. And so it's not my, it's not surprising to me that a 74 year old who turns 75 in February might just say, you know what? Mm, I'm going to coach this team. Cause imagine how much fun it'll be coaching this team. You got to you coach this team. You don't have to worry about anything else. Hey, I got to coach this team and then go fly to Chicago to see a high school kid tonight. No, I'm just going to coach my team. John Shire, if you want to do that, you can do that. <laughs> whatever, whatever team Duke has going forward, you're responsible for it. So Mike can spend this last year um, just coaching and enjoying that for what it is and then, and then, and then walk away. It's it's a sensible plan from my perspective. Goodman, since we've been recording, he ha- he shares this quote from a source that's close to Coach K. Said he is obviously nearing the end of his career, but name, image, and likeness coming into college basketball and the transfer portal being out of control definitely sped up his timeline. I agree with the transfer portal. Duke lost uh, Patrick Tappe, uh, Jermaine Brakefield, Henry Coleman. Jordan Goldwire, those players all went into the portal. Duke was losing players to transfer in a way that it basically never did. Um, remember all the stuff around Rashid Suleiman, what, six, seven years ago, and and a lot of stuff tied to that. But the I, but one of the um, storylines was that was that he, Rashid Suleiman was transferring out, and that basically almost never happened at Duke. Uh, Duke was supposed to be one of the very few major conference programs where it was immune to, to players transferring out. Now it's just an, an expected thing. I do think that plays a role of it. The name, image, and likeness stuff might play a little bit of a role of it, but remember, Mike Krzyzewski has been just about as outspoken in favor of the players, college athletes, on this front as almost anyone else. It was his comments about this issue and the NCAA at ACC Media Day in 2019 that kind of became the headline of that day in all of college athletics there. So, um, and it could be two and two in the same. He could believe all that stuff, but also realize that by finally allowing this to come to be, it just makes his job that much more difficult there. Um, I would say it's more the two first two things that you mentioned more than the NIL stuff. Cause again, it's Duke. It's really, I don't see an issue where it's going the NIL. I just don't, I don't foresee that being any kind of thing that's going to wind up holding Duke down. Now, Shire has been reported is going to get the job. Uh, that's our understanding as well. We don't have an official announcement on that on that just yet, but he's, he's going to almost certainly get it, and when he gets it, he's going to have beat out Tommy Amaker, uh, Chris Collins, Jeff Capel, Steve Wojciechowski, Johnny Dawkins, Bobby Hurley, that's uh, probably it um, in, in the college ranks. Shire, uh, weirdly to me, only maybe Tommy Amaker would make more sense. I think, I and, and maybe Mike went to Tommy and Tommy said no, although I can't see that happening. Um, I think Tommy Amaker would probably be the best pick for this job. I think he should get it. But outside of him, because Shire is so young... And he's been in the program. He helped recruit significant high-profile lottery picks in recent seasons. Um, Supremely involved in Jason Tatum's recruitment, Zion Williamson's recruitment, among others. I think he does make sense. 
And you never want to be the guy to follow the guy. But Shire's so beloved there that he'll he'll be given more room. And I'm not saying he will fail, but he'll be. It's come on now, come on. He's he's succeeding Mike Shashevsky, so he'll be given more room to find his way, make some mistakes, and not have this be a situation where if a year and a half in things are just going okay, they're gonna want him out of there and do whatever we can to lure Brad Stevens out of his GM role in Boston. What are your thoughts on John Shire taking, you know, likely taking this spot and doing so at at his age, you know, at, at this young age and getting the keys to what, in my estimation, is the third best job in the sport behind UNC at one and Kentucky at two? I understand the idea of you don't want to be the guy who follows the guy, right? I, like when John Calipari left Memphis, Memphis had a really hard time finding a successor because it was like, what happens when I only win 27 games? They're going to fire me. And, and like, you know, that that's ultimately why they had to hire an assistant off of John staff, Josh pastor, or at least it's among the reasons. So I, I get it. But just like if you're a young assistant coach named Josh pastor, you can't turn down the Memphis job when it's offered. You can't turn down the Duke job if you're 33 years old and you're John Shire. Like he played there. He graduated from there. He's been on staff and now he's going to be the head coach at his alma mater making millions of dollars. So if you want to debate whether this is the direction Duke should have gone, I'll listen to that. Although I think this is the direction Duke should have gone, but I, I have no time for anybody wondering whether John Shire should take this opportunity. Like, what are you talking about? You're yeah, the head coach of Duke. <laughs> like, like three months ago, John was trying to get the job at DePaul. Right. All right. So at DePaul, you're obviously not following Mike Krzyzewski, but I got news for you. You're going to have a way better chance of winning at Duke than you are at DePaul. And so you, it, it'll be up to the Duke administration and Duke fans to adjust expectations a bit. Like the odds of John Shire being Mike Krzyzewski aren't, great if only because you would be asking him to match the greatest coach in the history of college basketball like good luck but you're set up to win and you know i i do know that they considered emphasis on the word considered other options johnny dawkins tommy amaker you know the the, the two most notable um but they did not offer this to anybody like there's no scenario where Johnny Dawkins is turning down the Duke job and there's no scenario where Tommy Amaker is turning down the Duke job like I even if they pretend that they would like get out of my face nobody those guys aren't turning down the Duke job so this is who Mike wanted this is who Duke wanted and again it makes sense to me uh John has largely recruited this class of 2021 he's already involved with prospects in 2022 and 2023 by making this official you know so in advance of k actually walking away um everybody knows what they're getting into um and it it, it is it's the best opportunity for a smooth transition perhaps there's no way something like this goes smoothly but i do believe this gives duke the best the best chance of having a smooth transition from an icon to a first-time head coach. You think it gives them their best chance? Sure. Come on, Duke. You sure? I'm sure. Let's go. All right. We got some sound here from uh, 
Mike Krzyzewski talking to John Shire this afternoon. Let's go do it. Come on. Man, oh, man. By the way, get this, you know, let's take them into our worlds for a quick second here. It's Wednesday, June 2nd. Had to take out my son from pre-K early because today was to be his kindergarten orientation. So he had to, I had to drive over, pick him up earlier than he normally gets out. Waiting in the parking lot. <laughs> get a call from one of our HQ bosses. I pick up the phone. I say, don't tell me anything happened. And actually the first words were, Shashevsky retired as in past tense. And I was like, no, no, that didn't happen. And then we talked for another 15 seconds and it was Shashevsky plans to retire. I said, this isn't happening right now. I had to miss kindergarten orientation, which might not have been the worst thing in the world, but talk yeah, about congratulations, it. I'm certain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mike did you a favor here. Um, yeah, I guess you're probably right about that. But man, yeah. oh man, this actually—and weirdly enough, when the when the Stevens stuff happened earlier in the in the morning, you know, Brad Stevens, when he makes a job change, he makes a job change. He quit a pharma job to be a volunteer at Butler. He left Butler on the fourth of July, threw everyone for a loop to take the Boston Celtics job, and now he's leaving NBA head coaching altogether to be a GM. I bring that up just to say, I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, I remember when Brad Stevens on a Friday of the 4th of July weekend. It came out at like 3.30 in the afternoon that he was taking the Celtics job. I was like, man, that was just, that was the most inconvenient news release ever. And I don't think anyone broke it. I think that was a release. And here we go with Krzyzewski, middle of Wednesday, June 2nd. At least he's not immediately retiring. It'd be a whole different deal if that was the case. I like the fact that he's going on a one, one more year. Legend, let him go out on his own terms. Let the, let the love flow as much as the hate flows. Because you know there's going to be people sick of this thing by the start of December. They're going to be over it. It's going to keep going and going. We'll have some fun with it. Come on, Duke. I've got my seven-year-old in golf lessons now, and he's, like, actually, like, in love with the sport. Like, he's constantly wanting to go to the golf course, constantly wanting to hit balls. And so he had a lesson today, this afternoon. You know, I was going to take him – out to the course, let him get his lesson. And then he'd just go to radio with me. And then of course this happens and there's no way for me to make it to the golf course. So I had to look him in his little seven-year-old eyes and lie, lie right to his face. I said, uh, I said, uh, buddy, you know how it was raining last night really bad. He said, yeah. I said, so they closed the course today. I just found out. So we're not in his head dropped because he wanted to go to the golf course. I said, just found out, but we rescheduled for tomorrow. So we're going to be able to go tomorrow. And he was, and I said, but it's nobody's fault. It's just the rain. There's nothing we can do about the rain. And I know that somebody listening is probably saying, well, you can't lie to your kid. And I would uh, counter with, yes, you can. Because your kid will never resent you because of rain. But if you, if you have to tell your son or daughter that you can't do something, I learned this with my oldest child. I'm learning as I go. If you have to do, if you do something, if you tell them they can't do something that they were planning to do because of your work, mm. it can be a problem. How about this? My oldest son, when we, like, it's amazing. He's turned out great because we did so many awful things. Oh, it's brutal. Him. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um, but like, I would never tell him. I, I, we would always say, like, I can't do this because I got to go to a basketball practice. You got to remember when he was born, I was a beat writer. So I was in a basketball practice every day. And then I come home and have to write. And, and uh, 
and and he he I don't want to say he rejected basketball, but he certainly never got interested in sports whatsoever. And what we believe is that every time he was told no, it was because of basketball. So he resented the idea of basketball. And so we said, okay, with the little guys, we're never going to make them equate that with that. So, you know, daddy has to do his job, maybe, but like not daddy has to go to basketball because like it, it could cause like a deal. And so um, today I was thinking of that when I had to tell my middle guy, like, we can't go to golf lessons. I was like, it, it did rain last night. That's the truth. He can go outside and see the grass is wet. And so I'll just, it's harmless. I'll just tell him that um, we're only not going because of the rain. It's got nothing to do with basketball or my job and we'll be there tomorrow and it'll be terrific. So he's uh, he cheered up pretty quickly, but to, to, you know, like your Brad Stevens story or even your story today, or even that story, the big one for me was the Billy Donovan. Um, when he what? went to the Orlando magic, but then didn't dude. Yes. So it's, it's, we're in the middle of that basketball season. And this is when I was a writer and only a writer. So I traveled around the country nonstop. Like I'd be at Florida one week and North Carolina, the next and UCLA, the next, I, it's just not the job I have anymore. But at the time that was the job. And my, my oldest son, who's now 18 was into like Disney channel and all that stuff back then. And what constantly watching the Disney channel. And one time, uh, like a Disney world commercial came on and he was, I don't know, I'd have to do the math on it, but he was young. And he said, dad, can we go to Disney world one day? And I said, of course we can go to Disney world one day. He said, uh, he said, uh, Oh really? When? And I said, well, we'll go, we'll go this summer. And I swear to God, I'll never forget this saddest thing ever. He said, are you going to go with us? And I said, well, of course I'm going to go with you. Why would I not go with you? And he said, well, do they have basketball at Disney World? And he, he could not make sense of me going anywhere that didn't have something to do with basketball. Like, it, like it, was, it was eye-opening for me. Not to the point where I changed my life in any sort of meaningful way, but it had a moment. And so I was like really frustrated, like, man, I'm, I'm working so hard. Yeah. To try to further my career and, and provide for my family. But at what cost? My son doesn't think I'll go anywhere with him unless basketball is involved. So I'm frustrated. So I go up and I, I look, um, I get the calendar out and I said, I'm booking a trip to Disney world right now, eight days, seven days, whatever. And I, I said, I'll just pick the one week where like nothing is the slowest week in college basketball. Like last week was the, you went on vacation, nothing happened. I picked the equivalent of that week. If I remember correctly, and I might not, but it was like week after the NBA draft and, but, but, but before July recruiting, something like that. We get on a plane in Memphis, two hour flight to Orlando, something like that. Take off. Everything's cool. Time I land, and this is pre-Wi-Fi on the plane. So yes. you don't once you're in the air, you don't know nothing about what's happening. As soon as I land, voicemails, text messages, the whole deal. We were supposed to land and go straight to the Magic Kingdom. Instead, we landed, went straight to McDonald's. He played on a playground at McDonald's while I sat inside, used McDonald's Wi-Fi, and wrote about Billy Donovan. And that was like on a whatever day. I don't know. Fast, for, fast forward a couple of days, and it gets it starts, we're reporting like he's going to, Billy Donovan's going to go back to Florida. So I'm dealing with that the whole time. And I'll give credit to Mark Swanson, who was my editor at the time. At one point he told me, stop writing. If you send anything else, we're not publishing it. Go be with your family. And so I, I, I reluctantly, I said, uh, I pre Mark, I appreciate that. 
I'm going to do that. And uh, he said that, you know, Billy Donovan will either be the coach at Florida or the coach of the Magic when you get off vacation, and it won't matter that much either way. Just go enjoy your family. It's fine. Literally one day later, he's going back to Orlando. I mean, going back to Florida. We had to leave during the fireworks at the castle. That's when we had to to go back to the hotel so that I could write something again. So the whole, and then of course the whole time you're trying to get in touch with Billy and he went radio silent. So you're talking to everybody around Billy. I'll never forget this. I told Billy this story on the day we're leaving Orlando. I'm literally going through security at the Orlando airport to fly back home. Phone rings, Billy Donovan. And he said, hey, you know, GPI, sorry, I, I had to go dark, I was, you know, blah, 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 but I did want to, out of respect, call you back. And I said, you have no idea what you've done to my vacation. <laughs> and he was, he was super nice. We had a good laugh about it. But that's the one where I was like, any other day, any other week, like, I didn't need this right now. The guy just won two national titles. A massive story. And so today isn't that, no. at least for me. Like, I'm not traveling, but it uh, – it did rearrange my schedule. There's no getting around it. Definitely rearranged it. I was sitting in the car as I was taking this, and my son was in the back seat. And I said, I can't go to your orientation. News broke. He goes, why did it break? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I was like that's a wonderful question, son. I don't have time to explain to, to you right now. But, uh, but there we are. So Mike Krzyzewski is going to coach one more year. We got an emergency pod all in here for you. And... Um, yeah, I guess we'll we wait to we wait to to hear from Shashevsky on this. You know, will there be some sort of Zoom availability at some point here soon? I would think so, but they're clearly, you know, they're getting things arranged. Um, again, good good scoop here by Goodman. Uh, we still haven't, as we record this right now, you know, approaching three o'clock hour. We haven't heard official word from Duke on this yet, so they are still trying to. This got out before they were ready to get out, even if they've. Had to assume that it's impossible to keep all this stuff in house. Sometimes um, we'll wait to see on on what he'll say and when. If it's if there's anything of note, we'll like we'll continue to keep you updated. But uh, GP will have a column on this. We have plenty of coverage on CBSSports.com in the CBS Sports app on CBS Sports HQ. Uh, it was a nice little flashback to mid March with all this stuff here. But yes, major major news. And by the way, last thought on this for me at least. We are not going to see this again. And by that, I mean a coach go from like a one-bid league. It doesn't even have to be like, you know, Krzyzewski started Army, so it's not even like necessarily from the Patriot League. But what Krzyzewski did was he was a coach at Army uh, for a few years, gets the Duke job, okay, and then he's – Nine games under 500 in his first three seasons, and I actually talked with uh, his late athletic director, Butters. I talked to him about this for a story almost 10 years ago, and he went into about how like he, he was getting real pressure to fire Mike after the third season. Like Even back then, you know, early 80s, um, he, he was not successful enough that, uh, that even at that point, there were do people like, he is not the guy. You got this we got to reboot here. This is not the choice. But he stuck with them, and then he gets uh, the Dawkins class and Billis and all of them. That leads to their first Final Four in the mid nineteen eighties, and then the and then the course changes forever. Shashevsky will spend forty two years at Duke and build just an absolute behemoth powerhouse. We will there just will not be 
a parallel to like like Beheim's got his own singular story. He's been like he is Syracuse. He's only ever been at Syracuse, et cetera, et cetera. But Shashevsky in particular to get the job, how he got it to maintain it after a poor start. Like in in this age, you go thirty eight and forty seven, which was Kay's record in his first three seasons, and you're at. Not even like a top 10 program because Duke wasn't that, but if you're at like a power conference program, it's possible to make it to a fourth year, but you're not making it to a fourth year, turning that around into a Hall of Fame career and lasting uh, three decades, let alone four. So uh, a little bit of appreciation for what Krzyzewski was actually able to accomplish uh, all this time later. And for many of our listeners... You know, I know we have older listeners as well, but if you're like under the age of 25, you just always have grown up knowing Duke and Shashevsky as being synonymous, and that's of course appropriate there. But you know, there was a time when he was the the real plucky up and comer, couldn't break through, win a national title, but kept getting to a Final Four, and then they finally break through in '91 uh, by knocking off UNLV and, and having Leitner on the squad and Grant Hill. And it's it's interesting to look back and see the phases of his career that he's gone through. He's kind of been, you know, sitting atop the throne, the the dominant coach in the game, essentially since, like, I want to say, you know, 05, 06, 07. Uh, he's been in this role kind of permanently uh, since then, and he'll certainly retire, if not going out on top officially, you know, depending on the results of next season. He is going to leave the game uh, still in many ways at, at, at the top of his game compared to, you know, the way many other coaches tend to, to go out in their, you know, late 60s, early 70s. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Deuce Bellow, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. We will talk to you again real soon. Until then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.